So I'm not sure if Stranger Things counts as a new release or an old release because kind of what we're talking about takes place in the stuff that was released months ago, but then it continues to be relevant to what was just released. And then we're having a fifth season, so you can decide if this counts as modern or new or whatever. For us, it's new-ish, given, given how late we tend to cover things. It's new. But as per the title, we are talking about Satanic Panic, which is genuinely, as far as mass social events or social phenomena, Satanic Panic has to be one of my favorites just based on the title alone. It just sounds so nice. It's the alliteration. Actually, it's, I guess it's more assonance than alliteration, but anyway. Nerd. Fair. I'll, I'll accept that title. So we've both, we were both homeschooled to varying degrees, though I'm not sure either of us were really, I mean, I certainly wasn't raised in the fund, Christian fundamentalist world. I was. I would say I was raised adjacent to it just because like my parents were never into that crap, but a lot of, like I was not allowed to read Harry Potter, at, you know, at the, at, at the co-op. I was allowed to read it at home. There was a long discussion about whether or not the musical Wicked was okay. And D&D, I remember, not that my parents ever banned it, that they might have if I had ever heard about it, but I do remember there was like a distinct air of like possible evil around things like that. My, ent- my parents' entire thing was don't get us in trouble. Like crap rolls downhill. So I was allowed to do all these things. It was just like, just keep it on the down low, please. Don't be an idiot. Don't bring your Yu-Gi-Oh cards to the co-op. Oh no, uh, didn't don't... you hear Digimon or of the devil? No, I thought it was Pokemon because of the seizures. There were seizures? There's an episode of Pokemon. That there was a lot of flashing lights. It induced seizures. It's one of the reasons why you have to get warnings about seizures. Oh, uh, And that got misinterpreted by... Uh, some many of the same people who uh, hated Dungeons and Dragons to be like, ah, evil Japanese cartoon is there to kill your children. <laughs> <laughs> See, a lot of this stuff I actually don't remember because I'm slightly younger than you. So like Pokemon and Digimon and all of that had already been around for a bit. And I barely remember D&D. I like the only reason I know D&D was because I had friends who were into D&D way after D&D stopped being cool. You have one. You are one year younger than me. And yet you act 10 years old. I'm kidding. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Second of all, D&D, let's let's just be fair. D&D has kind of had a bit of a moment, probably because of Stranger Things. I have played D&D for years. I have been the DM. I have been a player. But I also think gatekeepers should be pitched off of bridges. So I'm like, hey, if it brings people into the game, that's fine. Who's the nerd now? I didn't say the word assonance, so it's still you. Um, but yeah, Stranger Things has kind of been uh, instrumental in bringing back D&D. It's been instrumental in bringing back a lot of A&D's nostalgia. It certainly didn't start that trend, but I would say it gave it, it, gave it some strength. Gave it wings. And D&D is kind of what it's, I, I want to focus on because D&D was also, and not that I lived through this either, I wasn't born, I was born in 1992 for crying out loud, like... Uh, the satanic panic was kind of over when I was So you're born. not one year older than me. You're three years older than me. You're a year younger than me in school. I'm, I'm 1995. You, went to, you were the year after me in college. I when did you graduate college? Graduated in 2016. Yeah, I'm class of 2015. I like how we're revealing a lot of like information that random people on the internet are now going to know. My exactly social security number is... <laughs> 
no I, I i think my my mother made me skip a grade because she was like you're gonna work through the summers but yeah so stranger things has has brought D back in a big way but specifically the reason we're talking about satanic panic this week uh is because the latest season of stranger things for those of you who haven't seen it and we'll try to keep it spoiler free up until a certain point today but um this season of stranger things they do start to deal with people who look at D and they look at nerd culture they look at fantasy worlds and heavy metal all of that with a distinct 70s to 80s disdain not just disdain but fear uh and i don't remember much of the satanic panic i was definitely within that culture but i think by the time by the time it got around to me it was just like harry potter bad i think both of us got to experience the home, the Christian-influenced homeschool culture that was molded by the Satanic Panic. I would not say we experienced the Satanic Panic itself. Yeah. Uh, though, ironically, everyone, I would say at the very least, and I'm not alone in this, one of the things my, my you know, day job and grown-up work has to do with, as much as an academic can have grown-up work, is uh, conspiracy theories. And I would say the Satanic Panic is live and well in QAnon. And a lot of things like that, it has really morphed. But a lot of the cores that you see uh, still are manifesting. And the idea of the satanic panic was through manifestations like D&D, certain horror movies, certainly a heavy metal, particular victims, including at the first wave, Iron Maiden, Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath, uh, Metallica. These were bands, then this, this, these were movies, these were games like D&D. You could use to tell that there were Satanists in your community. And there was a lot of allegations of what was called satanic ritual abuse. And slightly simplifying it, just because I don't have the spoons to, to go down every rabbit hole that these wonderful people who deserve human dignity uh, did... The idea was that um, Satanists existed. They worshipped. They they accepted Christian doctrine about Satan. So it wasn't like the actual Satanic Church that's headquartered in Salem, where it's just you know atheists, but you know they want to be edgy about it. Atheists who shop at Hot Topic, you know that that type of atheist. Uh, these are the, there are Satanists. They worship Satan. They worship the pseudo biblical Satan, and that you know really based on Paradise Lost. Uh, but they think that, you know, they, they want to help him with his evil plans and they're going to hurt your children, particularly in molestation and even human sacrifice, to do so. Thus, we, you know, we have to fight back as a community. We are going to detect the Satanists by looking for things like D&D players, people who dress a certain way, people who listen to a certain type of music, what have you. And that really quickly became focused on things like D&D. I think we were shaped by that. I think it was kind of over by the time we were growing up. Yeah, quite possibly. But I, I think, like you said, that attitude persists where you feel threatened in some way and you look for an outlet. You look for something that's easily identifiable to turn all your anger and your fear against and be like, well, if I get rid of this in my children's lives, then they will be safe. For, for context in the show, and I don't think this will be a spoiler really, there is a character who dies early on due to some of the supernatural things that happen in Stranger Things, and her boyfriend, uh, who is a jock, who is the captain, the, the charismatic, gives great speeches captain of the basketball team in Hawkins, um, 
ends up going on a witch hunt, essentially, in sort of in grief, sort of in looking for closure. Um, but all of that ends up getting directed by some wacky happenstance at the members of the D&D club that several of our main characters uh, participate in. I, I'm, I'm going to try to stay away from the show as much as I can until we hit that spoiler point, and then maybe we can talk about that a little more. But when it came to the actual satanic panic, a lot of it was driven by, like, absolute nonsense. And that's that's the difference, I think, between the depiction of it in Stranger Things and the way it happened in the real world. So in Stranger Things, it actually ma- kind of makes sense for the, <laughs> for the jock to say the things he does. Because this is not a spoiler. Even in the first two or three seasons of Stranger Things, there are portals to other dimensions. People in Hawkins, Indiana are dying left, right, and center. They are going into the upside down. They are communicating using Ouija boards and fairy lights. Like there is just some wacky Twin Peaks crap going on in Hawkins, Indiana. And it would be perfectly excusable for you to think that was the work of the devil because frankly, that's what it looks like. I mean, if I saw half of this stuff, I'd be like, Satan. It's Satan. <laughs> Although, I, I will point out at the beginning in the show when this, um, I keep wanting to call him a football player, and he's not. He's a basketball player. But when, when this character, uh, when he first starts setting his sights on the Hellfire Club, when he starts setting his sights on, um, on Eddie Munson specifically, who's the leader of the Hellfire Club, it's not that he's seen anything supernatural yet. He hasn't seen anything supernatural by that point. He's simply coping with the mysterious death of his girlfriend, the girlfriend who just recently had been seen with Eddie Munson. And so it almost didn't need anything supernatural for him to start going a little obsessive and start to make accusations because all it took was was grief, lack of closure, and maybe just a hint of jealousy. Um, and I wonder, and you can maybe speak to this, Aaron, I wonder if the way that a lot of these conspiracy theories starts, you, you said that just now, you said it kind of just starts from nonsense. Is it possible that it maybe starts from a sense of loss or a sense of like something, I am afraid something is passing away or something has passed away and I don't know how to get it back? And I don't have closure. Like my culture is leaving me or I feel I'm being left out of the conversation or I'm no longer relevant. Yes. The answer is yes. I mean, if you want to look at the the psychology of a moral panic, which is what the satanic panic is, and the psychology of a conspiracy theory, there's a lot of overlap in that Venn diagram. They are not the same thing. In the conspiracy theory literature, at least according to Karen Douglas, who I consider you know the gospel in terms of in terms of conspiracy work she tends to divide uh motivation for conspiracy theories down to three basic uh needs existential social and epistemic so existential uh, so epistemic we'll start from reverse so epistemic you know we're relating to knowledge you need to know things about the world you don't like uncertainty that can lead to a conspiracy theory social you want to fit in you follow you feel fall in i think a lot of people who hated on D as being satanic a lot of people who fell into those traps they were just going along because that was what their in group was doing you still see this and in, 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 you see this on both sides of the aisle too mm-hmm. like okay it's if we want to think in terms of satanic panics heirs 
sure, there's that weird fundamentalist Christian pastor who's convinced his congregation is crawling with witches and still burns the Harry Potter books now and then. And even in the show, you have, um, again, I don't, this is so mild in terms of spoilers, I don't think it counts. Lucas is part of that basketball team and you're you're actually really surprised by how long he stays with them and doesn't actively contradict what his captain is saying. You're you're like cuz he is part of or he was part of Hellfire Club. He sort of gave that up to do basketball. But those are his friends and it is shocking how long he goes without putting his foot down and being like, "No, this is wrong. Those are my friends and they are not satanists." There's a, there's a maxim in social psychology, or it's, it's called Levine's equation. Kurt Levine, one of the founders of social psychology, behavior is a function of the person and the environment. And so, you know, thinking of Lucas, right, he's a very strong-willed, upright. He's definitely, in, in, in the previous seasons, he's been the conscience of the, of, of the, of the group. When it comes, he's kind of been the moral watchdog, I think, of a lot of the main characters, uh, friend group in Stranger Things. But he's also in an insert circumstance. So instead of thinking, oh, he's a bad person now, it's just, well, there's pressures in his environment that's leading right. him to kind of not contradict this. It's not that he's a bad person. No, I don't think he's a bad person at all. I think no, it's no, no, just, no. it's interesting how powerful that social force is and for how well, long he thinks, I'm still trying to be part of this social group. I need to be part of this social group. I can't leave it. I mean, even thinking of like, and this is not a diss on my parents, but like thinking of like, oh, don't, don't bring your, your don't bring the Yu-Gi-Oh cards, Harry Potter, whatever, to the homeschool co-op. Either parents, the other parents are morons. Like, and we just don't want to deal with it. Uh, which I will neither confirm nor deny if those are the actual words that they used. Uh, but, it, but it was a, it was a social norm. I love your parents. <laughs> but then you get to this idea of existential threats, and when it comes to conspiracy theories, I think all three are of a equal interest. But existential threats, because you mentioned, you know, is my culture changing? You know, things like that. That's really kind of, I think, at the heart of a lot of moral panics. Because the idea of a moral panic is there's this one group and their behavior is dangerous for what we are going to say is essentially moral reasons. So a lot of different things have been considered moral panics. Alcoholism was a moral panic when it led to prohibition. Was alcoholism a problem? Was alcoholism a problem? Yeah. Did a prohibition do anything? No. The rhetoric around it was that we need to, you know, people are doing this evil thing, though. That, w- that was the thing. It's this evil thing, and it's harming the moral fabric of our society. There's no tangible wrong we can really point to, even though in the case of alcohol, there are a ton you could point to. Right, And I think even in the case of alcoholism, correct me if I'm wrong on this, because it's been a while since I've studied that period of history, a lot of that was also tied with things about culture in the cities changing there were more and more immigrants coming in they brought a certain drinking culture with them and so tackling alcoholism was often sort of a veiled way to tackle aspects of other people's culture that we don't like why do you think marijuana was 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 part and parcel of prohibition it wasn't because marijuana has, didn't have a long and upstanding history in this country it did a bunch of the founding fathers grew and smoked it it was because black people, especially black people who, you know, they weren't African-Americans. They were Caribbean immigrants of the, of African descent bringing marijuana over here because it was a part of their culture and white people didn't like that. Right. So what you have in the 80s, and, and for those of you who've played D&D, this is probably hilarious, 
but you have something that's alien, foreign, and scary in a lot of ways to adults. It's not... I mean, in a much milder way... Okay, I've decided I'm going to go here. Yes. In a much milder way, Twister had its own moral panic around it because it was... I'm sorry, what? Okay, Twister, stay with me. the game? Stay with me. This will make fun. This will make sense. I promise. Did they think people were having orgies? Yes. More, <laughs> more <laughs> or less. Be- oh, no. Because... <laughs> Because the idea was, okay, it's a different form of game. And you saw this again in the 90s. And this I do vividly remember because, like, I had to have some very awkward conversations as part of the homeschool community when they were educating us on what rainbow parties, quote-unquote, were. I'm not going to describe it. Look it up. As with many things, it's Oprah Winfrey's fault that it got so popular. But it was basically, long story short, deviant sexual behavior that teens were supposedly engaging in. There was never any evidence of it. It was just certain societal things were changing. Adults got scared. A rumor got started. The media picked it up. And then it becomes a way to deal with this existential threat. So it's like, okay, well, the kids are sitting around in a circle rolling these weird 20-sided dice. And they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. And they're casting spells and they're spending a lot of time in basements and we don't like it. Basically, because there was a lot of other stuff that was changing as well. I mean, again, the only thing that really makes the satanic panic unique from my perspective is that Satan was involved. (laughs) But there had been previous moral panics in the 50s, you know, here, here, making it even more contemporary. The Elvis Elvis biopic is out right now. Elvis's music was just too hip gyrate and that was making all the women promiscuous, even though these days it's considered like painfully old fashioned. Uh, at the time, that was the moral panic. It's just for whatever reason in the 80s, and I have not been able to find any particular event which set this off. But the idea was Satan worshippers are a thing. Demo- demon worshipping pedophiles are, are I'm, I'm not making this up, demon worshipping pedophiles and criminals are going into our suburban daycare centers, raping, kidnapping, and sacrificing babies to their dark lord and master. Was that a quote? No, not well. I mean, it's a quote because I wrote it in my notes, but it is not a quote. For, it's like, it's please a, tell me somebody actually said that because that is that is no, quite the sentence. I mean, to be fair, a num- there were there were a number of trials and supposed there were interviews with abuse victims. This is one of those things. Um, this may be controversial. This is probably this is almost certainly controversial to some people on TikTok. There is no such thing as a recovered memory. The actual research has never shown that you can actually hypnotically, relaxation therapy, whatever, recover repressed memories. It's Freudian nonsense that the rest of psychology moved on with 90 plus years ago. But in the 80s, the justice system discovered it and was like, this is great. We love this. So at the same, so people, these, these, these young women were remembering being molested and there was a very specific case that involved hypnotic um, hypnotic recall of abuse. And unfortunately, I'm going to say the defendant because his, his defense, he, he refused a plea bargain and he was executed by the state of Texas. But I think there's a lot of evidence for his innocence. Um, despite the hypnotically re- uh, recalled memory of the supposed victim or alleged victim, one of the major pieces of evidence that, yes, that he could do this was a therapist coming into court who had never actually met the person and said yeah but he has an iron maiden poster and that shows he worships satan 
and I'm sort of oversimplifying it, but I'm not as I'm not oversimplifying it as much as I should be. <laughs> like that that is too dangerously close. What is there's so to quote like. I think there's an association many times with cult-like activities, a focus on a death, dying. Individuals that have a lot of this type of art have an interest in satanic activities. There, that's an actual quote from the court transcript. The, the, there was never anything that actually set this off, but people immediately kind of snapped onto it, and this is where it comes kind of back into like a conspiracy theory thing, and that people wanted to believe. It relieved their existential threats. I mean, think we still do this today, right? Like... Well, like something that's hit the news really recently is the Steele dossier was complete nonsense. Um, there was never actually, you know, you know, people really wanted to hate Donald Trump, very understandably. But the Steele dossier that showed that supposedly he was in league, actively in league with Russia. We're not talking Russian bots. We're talking him actively collaborating with Putin. It's been really, 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 really emphatically debunked. And the like, a lot of people are like, well, how did this happen? It's like because you wanted it to happen, because you wanted to relieve your existential your existential angst that some that a guy like this could become president. Well, it's the same thing. I don't understand the change in my culture that's occurring. I don't like it. And all it takes is you know now I see in the media saying, okay, well here's a person who says they were satanically attacked. And the same way with the Steele dossier, nobody checked their sources. Well, with the satanic panic, why check your sources? It's a good story. It is not hard. I, I, I found a few. I didn't bother really making notes on any of them because they're all kind of the same. But people, people will do anything for attention. And there were a lot of famous so-called ex-Satanists who came out and just said, okay, well, I'm an ex-Satanist and we sacrificed babies to Satan and I never actually took part in it, but I know people who did. And it just gained a life of its own. And at that point, you have so you have people en masse. They have this idea of what does a Satanist look like? They play D&D. They listen to Ozzy. They listen to Iron Maiden. I think they fixate on these very like easily identifiable things because we're these people are looking for... And I, I say these people. I should just say we. Like we as human beings, we like easy targets. We like definitive wins and we like easy targets. And it's much easier to identify quote identify a satanist unquote by the t-shirt he's wearing rather than by having to sit down and have multiple conversations with him and find out what he actually believes right we're looking for easy easy targets someone to put a blame on and i think once we can find a reason and a target then our brains are relieved by that right like we just feel oh okay we know what the problem is we can solve that as opposed to my culture is changing. I don't know how to deal with that. Like in in the show, Eddie's or not Eddie, um, the captain of the basketball team, whose name I'm consistently forgetting. Like one of the things that really bugged him was that before his girlfriend died, she was seen hanging out with Eddie Munson. Eddie Munson, who is a stoner, has drugs and plays D and D, and like something in his brain could not fathom the idea that he, as a popular person, his girlfriend as a popular person associated with him would choose to hang out with a stoner that doesn't fit with his like psychology of how people work and that bugged him to the point where he started looking for reasons why and the reason why is because she was enthralled of a satanic um spell and yeah part of a yeah got sucked into a cult she was under a spell she was possessed by a demon that's the 
only reason she could possibly go to Eddie looking for drugs because she was possessed, not because she was stressed out, not because, you know, she was a actual fully dimensional human being that was, you know, making a connection with another human being. It must have been she was possessed. Well, you're describing an existential threat. You could also, you could make the case it's a social threat or an epistemic threat as well. Um, because like he, he, this doesn't go along with his knowledge of the world. Epistemic threat uh, threatens his, his status, social threat. But it's really, and it's an existential threat. Like, this is not how the world works. This is not, I, I can't be confident that this is how things should be. This is not how things should be. Right. Ergo, Satan's involved. And we talk a lot about in my field about what we call schemas. And a stereotype is just a part of schema. Uh, it's a type of schema. Schemas are, are, are ways you organize information to help make our decisions automatically. Because like most of the things you think, most of the things you do are done automatically, right? Like how many times have you driven to the grocery store and realized, how did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> you walk, you are not thinking foot in front of other, turn right, turn left when you walk somewhere, right? Like most of our decisions are made automatically. Heuristics, which are shortcut, which are guides for decision making, um, schemas, which are collections of information, they let us categorize things very quickly. They are very adaptive. So evolutionarily speaking, right, like it makes sense that if I get attacked by one big fuzzy animal and I happen to survive, great. I will now be avoiding all big fuzzy animals because I am Grog, it is the Stone Age, and there are Smilodon everywhere trying to kill me. And the stereotypes are just really a, a form of schema. And when it comes to schemas, we see you know, we are defining them in terms of something that we can easily identify and make a decision quickly. So you have this this stereotype we could say of a Satanist, but like many stereotypes, it's not accurate. It's D and D. It's listens to Iron Maiden or Metallica. But those are easy to find, and we keep seeing them everywhere. And we now become we're we're faced with a choice again. It's a word a lot of people use and very few understand. We're fa faced with potential cognitive dissonance between, okay, either these people aren't all Satanists and my beliefs are ridiculous, or my beliefs are true and they're all Satanists. Which do you think is more uncomfortable? Right. And then we fall into confirmation bias and we decide I'm only going to look at things that support my perspective. Yeah, and the association between Satanist and heavy metal, Satanist and D&D, &D, these things all become so much stronger because they're constantly being reinforced. You're seeing Satanists everywhere to the point that you end up like there's a, and let's just drop the spoiler warning now. All right, spoiler, spoiler warning for the whole rest of the season. We're not going to get super in depth, but if, you know, this will ruin some moments for you. So there's a big scene in the fifth episode of season four where basketball chick captain like holds he he interrupts this town meeting right oh to for for context the town meeting was the town hall was called by the police to explain to people hey there's a bunch of folks getting murdered we are investigating it we're not totally sure what's happening but it's very clear that the police don't really have answers by this point um Captain, Captain Basketball Dude, Basketball Captain Dude, I'm just mixing up my words now. Basketball Captain has already witnessed 
one of his teammates get Vecnud, uh get get um twisted up, all his bones yeah. broken, his soul sucked out of him, and then dropped to the floor dead. So it's it's pretty horrifying. But he's like the only person who witnessed this. So he's been trying to talk to the cops and they don't believe him, obviously, because it sounds, you know, crazy banana town. And he's also, like we said, witnessed the death of his or not witnessed. He's experienced the death of his girlfriend. They've gone to the funeral. And key thing, I think, that kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier at the funeral, um, his girlfriend's mother speaks. And the last words you hear in that scene is her saying, I just do not understand. I see no reason. I see no reason. And then you get to this town hall scene and here he is ready to provide a reason to all of these upset citizens who are slowly becoming aware that their police don't know anything uh, and that there have been no explanations for why these things are happening, how to protect their children, how to protect themselves. And he stands up and he takes the mic and says, I have the reason, which is demons and Satan and, and Eddie Munson and his Hellfire Club. And the cops do look pretty incompetent. Like they do, they do look like they're slow. They're, they're the classic like 80 sleepy town cop <laughs> that doesn't actually know what's going on. So it makes sense. But like he's, he's literally a high schooler riling up an entire town. And what's wonderful about that scene is like you have the parents of our lead characters, you know, sitting in the audience and you can see their eyes filling with fear. You don't, he, they don't say anything during the town hall. But you, you have actually no clue whether or not the fear is, I'm worried my child is in a satanic cult, or I'm worried that this mob is going to rip my child to pieces the second that they find him. And it's, it's interesting that uh, the way Captain Basketball gives his speech <laughs> has a lot of religious overtones, and not just in the fact that he's talking about Satan, but it does come off sort of like a revival. Yes. And that's a very that's clearly an intentional move and he gives a speech at the be- in the first episode too that kind of has a little bit of that sense and it seems benign you realize that he is a charismatic person he looks like a pastor's kid well that's kind of rough if anyone listening to this is a pastor's kid hey he's he's an, the actor is very attractive i'm not saying anything negative about pastors he is, just has that like very clean cut wholesome look and when he gives a speech in, in the first episode you're like yeah yeah go hawkins and then you realize he's, he's twisting it. He's starting to turn it. Let's just lay aside that he actually has in the scope of the world and the story reasons to say what he's saying. The words he's actually saying in that speech really do echo a lot of calls to the satanic panic. And I mentioned earlier, you know, and for the sake of, you know, I've been picking, it seems like I've been picking a lot on the right. Um, my least favorite moral panic in history is uh, violent video games caused Columbine. And that was a pretty thoroughly unipart- uh, bilateral, bipartisan, everyone's stupid um, action. But the language was the same. You know, for, you know, I believe in people. We're people. We can stand up and we can right. take back our town. Do it for the children. You know, gentlemen, a riot is an ugly thing, and I think it is about time that we had one, to quote Mel Brooks. <laughs> like, what what are you actually calling for? What's well, awful? I mean, again, like you see it in the episode, he's basically calling for everyone go and uh, grab those teenagers and, you know, draw and quarter them. When, when he's when he's giving this speech, it is, it's something you hear today. I heard it, you heard it growing up, right? We can't let you read Harry Potter you know, Harry Potter is corrupting our youth. 
Oh, yeah. No, it's always like, the situation is dire. Here is the solution. There is hope if we do X, Y, and Z. And in the case of the actual satanic panic, as far as I'm aware, there was never any, there were never really satanic panic related lynchings or anything like that. Stranger Things is exaggerating for the sake of effect. But that rhetoric has consequences and had consequences in the real world. It wasn't harmless either. There are consequences in the show as well because Jason Carver comes back at like the worst possible time to mess with our lead characters. He beats Lucas, who was on his basketball team, beats Lucas within an inch of his life, is pretty much ready to kill him. In fact, I think I can make the argument that he is actively trying to kill him. They also tackle Lucas's younger sister, who's probably like 12. There is a lot of violence that occurs. But she has the spunk of, their... of an 18-year-old. Oh, yeah, voice. she's great. We love her. But the, the harshest thing of all, the thing that makes it really sad is, and again, this is extreme spoilers, Eddie Munson, the guy that they were blaming all this on, goes out like a hero. Like he, he goes, he actually has a beautiful arc going from being kind of a coward to being a, a true proper hero and not just in a D&D sense. Um, and he sacrifices himself for the rest of the team. And at the end of the entire season, after the town has gone through what everyone is calling a horrible earthquake, but they've all seen, everybody has seen some stuff, some pretty scary demonic looking stuff by this point. Where does all the blame get thrown at? It gets thrown at him anyway. So he dies a completely, a, a hero completely unrecognized by anyone except for our lead characters. And there's this really heart-wrenching scene where Dustin goes up to Eddie's uncle, who's like the only relative Eddie has. And the only person who really, like the only family member that really cares about Eddie, Dustin goes up to him because people are throwing hate at, at this uncle now, saying, you know, how could you raise a satanic cultist? etc and nobody cares that eddie is missing and nobody cares that eddie is dead dustin has to go up to the uncle and say i i saw what he did and he was a hero and don't you let anybody tell you otherwise but the fact of the matter is this this whole town believes that eddie is the reason all of this stuff happened they blame every all the deaths all the damage on this guy who died trying to prevent it and that's going to be his legacy. I mean, I don't know if they're going to fix it in the next season, but that was actually the point in the show where I, I did have to cry because I was like, this is this, the injustice. Well, and I think that like to kind of tie this into the theme of the show, right? One of the things I do when I teach psychology is I talk a lot about movies because I think there are some movies that just do an amazing job of exemplifying psychology. Movies have a chance, like, I think more than almost any other medium in the modern era, even, I would say, in some ways more even than books, to show us what these things look like. They put, it's not just the writing, it's not just like people saying things, we see them, we feel them, we, we see them experiencing things in a way we don't see even on the written work page. But sometimes I think that can kind of be enough for us, like, okay, I've had my little Aristotelian cathartic moment through this TV show. Now I don't need to let that go into the real world. And I think when it comes to the satanic panic, it's very easy for us to go in 2022, those dumb evangelicals 40 years ago in the 80s, which, which, which I think of as 20 years ago, but it's, you know, it's actually 40 years ago. And we like to laugh at it. We think it's funny. And, and, and frankly, a lot of it is, but I think we sometimes forget 
that there are consequences. Like you said, that that guy who was, is he executed? Yep. The guy was executed because of a Iron Maiden poster. Like there are real consequences. There's all the consequences for the victims, the people who get blamed for these kinds of things. And there's also, I think we kind of forget about, there's, there's a lot of consequences also for the people who do believe them because a lot of conspiracy theories start with fear, right? And, and certainly the satanic panic thing is fear. Like do you think mm-hmm. about how many years lost to stress got added to <laughs> who knows how many 80s parents there's one i think it's dustin's parents somebody in the show you can see her like she's this close to a heart attack the entire uh town hall scene because she's terrified that her her son might be involved in her only son might be involved in satanic rituals and could be in danger of dying and while it's kind of funny to us because we know it's not true it's certainly not funny to her um and i think the amount the psychological toll these things take on people it's really irresponsible well, yeah, and not to, not, not to be pretentious about it, but truth matters. Does it actually reflect the real world or not? You know, end of discussion, there is no solid evidence that violent video games caused Columbine. But for a long time, you couldn't say, when I started grad school, that was not a valid opinion to have. By the time I left grad school, it became more of a valid opinion to have. In the six years I was getting my PhD, enough people got their own doctorates and were like, yeah, I'm in my 30s or my 40s, and um, I grew up on Doom, and no, I never thought of shooting up my high school. But that was the easy solution. Doom, gangster rap. Rammstein or uh, Marilyn Manson or Rob Zombie, depending on which camp you fell for hating an industrial metal that supposedly caused mass shootings. So all that time, we could have been actually trying to figure out why did this tragedy happen? We just pick something that's easy to panic about that make me say, I have found the solution, no more existential dread, and here we go. So for me, the thing I think to take away from Stranger, I mean, the biggest thing to take away from Stranger Things is obviously enjoyment. It is not I, – I, I hate preachy art. I hate shows that are like, now sit down and prepare to learn. That's called a lecture series. If I want a TED Talk, I'll watch a TED Talk. But I think it would also be a damn shame to, to watch Stranger Things, to watch a season that is so constructed around something that actually happened and go, <laughs> evangelicals in the 80s. And not do some self-reflection about it. So that's that's my big takeaway. And you know, if 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 you know, weird, scary holes are opening up in the ground, and people are floating midair and getting twisted up, maybe move. <laughs> maybe just move <laughs> away. <laughs> don't start a mob. Don't don't do any of that stuff. Just just move. Go move. somewhere else. Well, on that note, um, yeah, I don't have a clever outro, but. We, we do we again we do have an email address if you want to send in thoughts comments suggestions future episodes anything you want us to review live there's tweet a movie or a tv show that you're like i need a psychologist's take on this Let yeah i'm not sure anyone has ever done that before but you could be the first <laughs> if you chose chose to do so otherwise insert clever outro here insert clever outro here Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm.